We are making sense of the markets with Lori Pinkowski, a senior portfolio manager at Canaccord Genuity. You can contact her team at 604-695-LORI or you can visit the website at pinkowski.ca. Lori, great to chat with you again. You as well. How have you been? So, so good. Very, very well. How about you? Uh, everything is good. Just fighting a bit of a summer cold. Other than that, markets are in the green this morning. So that's good news. Um, we're really waiting for the Jackson Hole Summit on Friday morning. This is where we're going to see Fed uh, Chair Jerome Powell speak. We're going to get, you know, some more insight on their position on interest rates and inflation in the near term. Uh, with so much uncertainty over, um, you know, the U.S. economic outlook, investors are going to be paying very close attention to that. Right. So that's happening on Friday. So, yeah, I think a lot of attention and people taking some time out to, to really pay attention or to, to listen to that. Exactly. And then uh, some other news that was out there is the uh, S&P Global um, downgraded multiple U.S. Uh, bank credit ratings. Uh, and this is following what Moody's had already done. Again, this is a lot of those mid-tier or smaller banks. And the markets really didn't react to that um, just because, again, it's old news. We already went through the kind of mini banking crisis that we did in February, March there, where they, again, quickly found a solution so it didn't become a bigger problem. And I think that's what investors focused on. So these downgrades really are having very little to uh, to no effect on share prices or the markets in general. Really why the markets have been in the red, uh, in my opinion, over the last couple of weeks, we've seen some stronger economic data, um, even consumers are very strong. And again, that's negative for the idea that they're going to stop raising rates. Although most believe in Canada and in the US that they will pause uh, in September's meeting. Interesting. Uh, What about Canadian banks? Uh, What are we seeing happening there? Yeah, they're going to be reporting um, this week, which is uh, the first of the five major banks to report. Uh, and what we're expecting is um, somewhat strong earnings. But what we don't know is, again, is how much capital do they have to keep on the sidelines for loan loss provisions? So this can have a negative consequence for banks, right? They have less money to work with. So we'll be taking a look at uh, TD and Royal, uh, where their earnings are coming out tomorrow. Which is always an interesting one, because even when the number, it might not be the number the banks are looking for, it always seems like a huge number if you're the bank customer. Yes, it does, doesn't it? Especially when you're paying all those fees uh, when you're when you're doing your regular banking, even. Um, however, in in light of higher rates, uh, banks have had actually pretty decent earnings, uh, whether it's the U.S. or Canada, over the last uh, couple quarters. Uh, but they are forecasting a decline in third quarter revenue for uh, their capital markets business again for. Um, you know, investment deals and so on. That's been very slow last year and this year. It's not a type of business that we really do. But uh, a lot of the investment firms are are seeing a slowdown in that area. All right. So we'll learn more uh, about the Canadian banks, the earnings, uh, the kickoff tomorrow. Let's talk a little bit about housing prices, uh, because that's always uh, in the news and depending on who you ask. But uh, single family homes in Vancouver, uh, probably not a huge surprise that we're seeing those prices go up and continue to go up. Yeah, you know, I, I do think it's a bit of a surprise. It's um, just with rates going as high as they have and people having to get approved at the banks, yeah, even higher than what the current rate is at. Um, you know, I think that that is uh, a, a deterrent for sure, right? What you used to be able to afford, paying a mortgage at 2% is very different than at 6%. And so 
Single-family home prices for July rose about 2.5% from June. Um, this was the fourth consecutive month of increases. In Vancouver, single-family homes rose more than the rest of the country, um, also by 3.9% uh, in July. Abbotsford was up 7%. So those of you in Abbotsford, your home prices are going up. That's, uh, that's good news because Abbotsford and Chilliwack were uh, harder hit when we had that uh, real estate pullback. Remember, um, real estate prices about six months ago uh, had pulled back about 15% uh, in the lower mainland. And so that is recovered. And uh, even Chilliwack at one point was down 25%. So I don't know uh, if this is here to stay. I don't believe it currently. I think that next year we'd have to see some sort of real estate correction uh, if indeed uh, the Bank of Canada doesn't start reducing rates at some point. And again, we're kind of far away from that because we're still talking about them increasing rates. So we'll be looking at that going forward. We will uh, definitely be keeping an eye on that one. Uh, let's talk about housing, but this is something uh, that I think uh, maybe not everybody has this issue, but if you do, it's not the worst problem to have. And this is all about keeping the cottage or the family cabin, that recreational property, keeping it in the family. Yeah, it, you know, it, it, it's always, you know, brings good memories and experiences for those families that do have uh, a cottage or cabin. And again, a lot of people in Vancouver have places in Whistler or the Okanagan and things like that. And um, and the the issue that we keep running into is, is they want to leave it to their kids. And that's great. Except what happens if one kid doesn't want it? Um, and then, uh, you, you know, you've passed away and you don't want uh, the two siblings fighting, right? And so what you want to do is just make sure that you set it up properly, right? Uh, you want to have a conversation with your children or beneficiaries about what they actually want. Right? Don't just assume. And, uh, and then talk to a financial advisor, a lawyer, uh, in order to set it up properly. Because um, it, the issue can come about is when one child does want to, you know, maintain the home and, and, and have it the cottage uh, where the other needs to be bought out, right? Because they want their inheritance. And if you don't set that up properly, there can be a lot of squabbling within the family, let's say. So so that's um, something, a conversation that you want to have. Uh, be open about it. These are your plans and, and go from there. Uh, what about the issues as well, that if it's not a primary residence, it's a recreational property and then having to deal with capital gains tax? Yeah, that's no fun at all, especially if people have bought uh, a vacation property many, many years ago. And so a lot of them have increased significantly in value and now are worth substantially more. Um, at death, 50% of the increase in the value, um, of course, is tax-free. It's a capital gain. But the other 50% is subject to tax. And that's, uh, you know, at the death of, say, if you have a spouse a second spouse, or when it's transferring to anyone other than your spouse. So I think that's important to understand. So if you bought a property for $200,000, um, you know, it's currently valued at $2 million, um, you know, in 20 years, projected to be $3.6 million, let's say, uh, you know, when you pass away, that's going to be a $3.4 million gain. Um, you know, that's going to generate about $900,000 in tax. So, you know, I hate to be the bearer of bad news. Nobody loves tax. But, you know, the way around this is some people choose to insure themselves or even the kids choose to insure their parents uh, just so that that amount can be paid out uh, when, when needed. And then also there's some free cash flow as well to pay one of the um, children or beneficiaries should they not wish to keep that cottage or cabin.
Hmm. And uh, I would imagine other things too, whether it's uh, making it a permanent residence or uh, I guess the the bottom line is to deal with it now. Don't wait for this to to kind of spring up and surprise you. Yeah, exactly. You know, you want to also, when you're taking a look at um, transferring a property and and look at that capital gains tax, you want to maximize your adjusted cost base. So all repairs, improvements to the cottage over the years, right? So that capital gain is lower. Um, You can claim capital losses to offset again. So remember, if you have losses in your portfolio, like stock portfolio, you can take some of those losses to offset that gain in that property. Um, and again, joint ownership can make it somewhat easier, but you got, there's pros and cons to that, especially if your adult child, say, has a spouse you don't like <laughs> um, and uh, they get divorced and, and so on. So you got to be careful with that joint ownership that requires more conversation um, and then transferring ownership of a cottage to a trust. Uh, you'll pay capital gains up until that point of the transfer. Uh, however, future capital gains will be sheltered. But again, the con to that is you have to have another tax return. But it really depends on the size and of the property, the value of it. But definitely having that open communication um, with your children about who wants it, who doesn't, and what that's going to look like when you're no longer here. Good things to think about. Lori, we'll leave it there. But thanks so much. Great to chat with you again. You as well. Thanks, y'all. That is Lori Pinkowski, a senior portfolio manager at Canaccord Genuity. You can reach her 604-695-LORI. That's L-O-R-I. With any questions you have about investing or retirement, or again, visit the website at pinkowski.ca.